Hello. Hi. You are tuned into Synchronicity Podcast. Welcome back. We are here to serve, guide, and navigate these crazy waters that we call life together here at Synchronicity. Uh, we are Nicole and Megan. Thank you for being here with us. Yeah. Where it's always a wild, wild adventure. <laughs> We always talk about what's new in the world, kind of what we're curious about, what we're fearful of, like collecting information and hearing just the world around us and kind of what's going on. So we're in it with you. We talk about a lot of different things. Um, if you are an OG, welcome back. If you are a new person and you haven't listened to us before, make sure that you subscribe so that you get notifications when we decide to uh upload a new podcast because we're both Gemini's so it's never regular so if you subscribe then you'll know when we drop them we're getting better welcome and thanks for being here hi and welcome back to Zinkernicity podcast I'm Nicole and I'm Megan we are so excited to be back with you Sabrina is joining us this episode is going to be so much fun so without further ado Sabrina We'd love for you to introduce yourself to our audience. Thanks, ladies, for having me. And I'm so excited to pick up. These two are actually in queue for my podcast, the Sovereign Society podcast. So we're we're all we're all we're all about giving back, right? But <laughs> my name's Sabrina Riccio, and I'm a shamanic brand strategist and um, a huge psychedelic advocate and um I'll just say a brief story in uh, 2012. I Well, I started working with psychedelics back in 2011 um, when I consumed MDMA for the first time. And um, two months before that, I was calling a suicide hotline. So MDMA was really a piece that really helped me um, find God. I found God on the dance floor and I was always um, passionate about music my entire life. Um, so I found God on the dance floor and then, um, I was working a lot with MDMA to help me overcome depression and, um, PTSD, childhood trauma. And then it's actually crazy because I'm coming up to the 11 year anniversary of a difficult LSD trip that I had at Coachella. And it just happens to be that Coachella is this weekend. And what happened during that psychedelic trip on LSD, it was the anniversary of my best friend's suicide. And also I did LSD with my twin flame and I was, everything just came at me. They call LSD the truth drug, right? So essentially um, I saw everything that I needed to address and heal. And then <laughs> three months after that, I was struck by lightning with my dog and then I've been on this huge psychedelic journey working with um, MDMA, LSD, ayahuasca, peyote, psilocybin, um, hape. I would consider hape in a way like very psychedelic in that sense as well. But um, and now I've been navigating through seizures the past uh, three years, which actually happened to be I had my first seizure like five years after my difficult LSD trip which is pretty interesting, like to the day. <laughs> and um, so I've been working on how do I heal myself naturally from seizures. And um, actually, after I have these seizures, I've been having psychedelic experiences um, sober from these seizures that are having me do deep healing work. So I feel like the medicine has continued 
um, to work through me, but I've been shedding so many layers and have been reclaiming my power and have become obviously from all these experiences, a huge advocate for uh, psychedelic therapy. And I'm, I'm here as a spokesperson for psychedelics and mental health. Um, and even when I was in the hospital getting an EEG scan where I had like 28 probes attached to my head to see where seizures were, I was next to a VA and I heard loud and clear, you are here to help heal the vets. And so I'm on a huge mission on how can we bring psychedelic therapy to the vets who are struggling with PTSD and help them reclaim their power back. Because in a way, I feel like the United States is sick and it has to do because if their servicemen are sick with mental health and they're supposed to be the people that have fought for our country, it's a huge piece of why the country is sick. Um, but again, we can go on and on and on, but that's just a brief summary and all of that essentially because of doing that deep work. I like to also bring that into people's businesses and brands um, because I do believe the inner creates the outer. So they say the initiation of the shaman is to be struck by lightning. So I take my clients on very shamanic journeys of reclaiming their power, healing their inner child, cultivating that solid foundation so that they can build online empires that are here to really revolutionize the world. So that's a little brief summary of mine. I know it's very complex and like, whoa, but this is me. Take it or leave it. <laughs> I love it. I love, I, I love that too. And when we talked in your podcast, you know, you really dove deep into like your, um, your seizures and you were talking about how like everything had come online in regards to like understanding that was a lot of like womb energy or healing. Mm -hmm. And like, that was, that was a really powerful of like being like, wow, that, that definitely aligns. And right now we've got so much womb energy being healed, like the divine mm -hmm. feminine that's coming yep. online. It's, it's really quite remarkable. And like to hear your story firsthand was, was really, it was, it was amazing. Cause I was like, wow, that is to live through being struck by lightning and then this other journey of like between suicide and everything. Um, you're definitely here on a mission. You've definitely, Thank been, you. you're definitely here. Well, and I love the concept of your business too, because I was actually, Nicole and I are both entrepreneurs, obviously. Um, but I was reading one day and it talked about how you actually create most entrepreneurs create their companies based off of their trauma but it's mm -hmm. through the healing of the trauma yep. and the transmutation. And I was like, oh, this is so true of us. Yes. Like, this is wild. And so yeah, that's, in what, that's why I like to call it yes. your medicine, right? Yep. Like, that's why I like to help pe my clients realize like the traumas that you went through, we're going to go from victim to victorious. Yep. And from that space, like, because you've had firsthand experience, like you can be able to hold that container, right? Healers aren't here to heal you. They're here to hold that space for you to heal yourself. Exactly. And that's a huge piece of like the clients that I'm working with. So I'm clients are always crying in my sessions because they're always having breakthroughs. And that's, and so my parents always give me shit. Cause they're like, did you make, you always make, you love making people cry. And it's like, I, I like when people cry because they've released something that was holding them. And I think, you know, there's been such a stigma around like crying and emotion in that sense, especially in so many other generations that like, you know, big boys don't cry kind of thing, but there's a release that comes from that. And so I think I was telling my client yesterday, you are your own niche, right? Like what you've experienced is your own niche because that's how you're here to bring it. And of course there can be different content pillars that are part of what you're delivering. Like for mine, 
I love Soulful Systems because I'm a geek at heart. So I'm always about the backend systems and helping people work smarter, not harder. I'm all about sovereign embodiment, reclaiming your power. I'm all about being able to help people understand like through astrology and mysticism, like everything is interwoven and inter and connected in that sense. And how do we infuse all of that into your marketing and into your branding? Because your brand is an extension of you. So today we're seeing more and more businesses as more and more people are also becoming entrepreneurs. They have to, they're becoming entrepreneurs because they're being who they are. The power of social media, podcasting, YouTube, whatever. People are being influencers just by being who they are. Exactly. So it's like that in itself is its own niche because you two are different than me. I'm different than you. I'm, we're all different. So in a way that's a niche niche of like a uniqueness. And for me, I also can't be put in a box. I think that's because I've worked with psychedelics so much that like I've explored and my psyche in so many ways that like, I can't be put in a box. So again, you can take me or leave me. I don't care. I'm going to keep doing me and I'm going to attract the people who see me and who respect me. And that's like all I care about, you know? (laughs) Well, and that's the medicine, medicine, right? Like that's the people that come to you, you know, it's like, we have the same philosophy of like, if you, if you, something resonated with you, like there's a reason why you're called to work with us or you and like individually, you know, and like everybody has something to offer someone. And, you know, the whole thing going back to like working with the VA, you know, like that was a calling for you. Like you Mm -hmm. aligned with that. Like we work in more, you know, somatic realignment of people understanding language and like inner child work and like understanding that we're being scripted by the age of three, you know, like that's what we work in, you know, and we help people have massive communication breakthroughs because they don't understand that how they communicate is huge in majority of the, in all relationships, you know? Because some people don't know how to, or they were ashamed to communicate their feelings. Yeah. Yeah. And like that whole, you know, what you just talked about, like tears, tears are so healing. You know, I always like, I always love Harry Potter because Dumbledore mentioned like the tears of the unicorn and the tears of the Phoenix, right? Like those are healing. They're powerful. And we, as society, like we are, we do, we shame men for crying. We shame children for crying. And then like we grow up and all we do is cry. Cause you got to heal all the wounds, um, you know, that were created that, around crying. Yeah. It's pretty, it's a real thing, but I think that's, I like, I think like, for instance, and I'm going to speak as a millennial, like we are also the last te- um, generation to remember what life is like pre and post technology, yep. you know? And I think that's why so many of us are like, we're really the generation that has been like breaking those barriers. And then I feel like Gen Z has really seen that and they've gone full throttle with it. And that's why there's so much creative expression in Gen Z of like who they are, their body positivity, like LGBTQ, like proud and out and like who they are. They're very eccentric. That's who they are. But I definitely feel like millennials and of course the generations before, but millennials were really the ones that were the bridge between the old and the new worlds that have been generating and so there's been a lot of pressure for millennials as well because we were also a lot of us were raised by parents who didn't also have the tools or were shamed about mental health that were shamed around um, expressing emotions all those things we had very young parents a lot of us like for me my mom was 30 years old my aunt for instance she was 19 and she gave birth to a child whose intestines was out of his body mm-hmm. my cousin had 40 surgeries by the time he was 16 and my aunt had a ni- was 19 years old when she was navigating through that 
You know what I mean? And so there's, and we're also, I, I think jet, like uh, millennials were having, we've been having children later because we also are all programmed. You need to go to college. So we're the most educated generation there is. Yes. Yes. And so there's things that are changing and things that are shifting. And there's been so much shit talking about millennials is because we're the ones that are actually shaking shit up. And these older generations don't want to be like break through those conditions and patterns that they've been comfortable in. No, it's so true. Our mom was part of corporate America. And when millennials came in, she's like, they're so fucking lazy and blah, blah, blah. Totally. No, because they actually have boundaries. That's yeah. The and we is- weren't, and we weren't taught that we had to learn that on our own. Mm-hmm. Right. But it was that, like, I just don't, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to live my life. I'm like clocking out. My parents did clocking out yep. at five. Yeah. Like, and I'm out. <laughs> it was so much healthier, but you're absolutely right. The, what it, it really shook up corporate America to the point where I actually think we'll see the fall of corporate America to a certain extent. Cause people just don't want to live their lives. Like you shouldn't spend more time working than you do with the people you love. That's just ridiculous. But sometimes, sometimes millennials, sometimes entrepreneurs are spending more time working. Well, but it's love. But it's a love and it's a per it's, it's like a your passion. purpose. There's yes. a passion. Yeah. Totally. Soul, and it's a it's soul not, contract. It's not for you know the the one percent or it's for yourself. Um totally. you know, and there's a love and a relationship there that's energetic. Um, but yeah, no, I mean entrepreneurs sometimes I'm like, what? What, what is a weekend <laughs> like, yeah. which is great. Cause I take time off when I need to during the week and things like that. But, uh, I want to hear like what your most profound psychedelic experience was, if you can like pinpoint one or where was, what was one that was like, oh, that shit's wild. Um, or was it when you got struck by lightning or what? I want to hear some just like aha moments that you have. Cause you're so embodied and you're so present and you're able to pull or help give codes or whatever you want to say that, um, into their light, into their purpose. And so, you know, I know psychedelics helped you along the way. Was there profound moments that, you know, stuff came through and you were able to really start to see the path ahead? I feel like I'm going through like a Rolodex of psychedelic trips I've had. (laughs) (laughs) All of them. (laughs) Um, So the first time I did MDMA, I was in Vegas and I went with one of my girlfriends from high school and I was a senior in college. Like I said, I was just calling a suicide hotline and I actually, I went to go see Tiesto in Vegas and it was just right when DJs started being resident DJs at, uh, festivals. I mean, at, at, in Vegas. Vegas, And so for, so Tiesto was the first Mm -hmm. resident DJ that like had a show there and I went and I was standing on the dance floor and I was like, oh my God, like it's the first time I actually felt joy in my life. It's the first time I actually felt love in my life because I had so many walls and barriers growing up with depression since I was three years old. Um, so even if I, I've been looking a lot recently in the past week of old photos of me and I'm either like really like hermiting, like my arms are crossed and like my shoulders are like caved in. I have a fake smile or I'm looking at photos where family members like, oh, look how happy we all are. And I'm like, I'm miserable in these photos or I don't even identify with that girl anymore. I was 50 pounds heavier. I was pushing 200 pounds because I was sexually assaulted and I was just a mess. And so when I did MDMA for the first time, it was the first time I felt my heart open. It was the first time I felt God. It was the first time I felt love. And I was like, wow, there's something to this. Like I was, and every time I've done MDMA, every time I'm doing psychedelics, I'm on a spiritual quest. 
Like it's been very, it's always been very intentional with me. I'm talking to Jesus. I'm talking to God. I'm like praying. I'm not there. Like, of course there's been times where like, I'm like rolling balls and losing my shit, like listening to great music. I've had those moments. I even shared those photos with my therapist like two weeks ago. Like, yeah, this was the third time I did MDMA and he loved it because he's a psychedelic therapist. So like I was showing him all like pictures of me on drugs, <laughs> but um. Yeah. So that was the first time I really found God. Um, and then when I was on LSD, it was, like I said, I was doing LSD with my twin flame, but I pushed him away because all of my insecurities and doubts really crept in that. I was like, I don't deserve him. Like I'm a mess. He doesn't deserve me. Like I was very low as self-defeating, but I also ate this tab of acid without any intention or, or like, I just ate it. And it was my first time doing LSD. So uh, that was my, my, I take total responsibility, not the right set and setting, not the right intention. I ate it to escape because it was the anniversary of my best friend's suicide. And that's what's coming up in two days. Are you, uh, and, what, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, what was I'm going to ask you what happened with you and your twin flame. Do you still talk to him? No. no, we haven't. We haven't been in communication on the physical plane, at least. I don't know. I'm in total surrender him or someone better. I'm like, I have to let go of that because the obsessive thinking, the whole journey, all of that came through. But anywho, have you, have you ever heard of a high buy letter? Yes, I have. Okay. Have you ever thought yes. about it? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, I've heard of it, but I haven't thought of it to that. So thanks for planting that seed. Oh, I um, love this seed planted. <laughs> I just <laughs> ask where this goes. I just ask because I just wrote one to my twin flame and sent mm -hmm. it two weeks ago. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I've so sent letters. Some... I've sent letters. Okay. I'm not. I'm not yeah. to be in community. It's like that's a whole thing. I gotcha. I'm not going to even go there. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, when I was on LSD and like it was the anniversary of my best friend's suicide, and it was like my favorite DJ playing, like I could feel how there was always this pull for like this union. But I needed to, I was realizing, like, I was obviously having a difficult trip and I had a friend sit with me when I was going through it. And I just, I was, I was going through a lot of shit at that time. And what happened was I knew I didn't want to be codependent on someone for my joy and happiness. And so it was like a responsibility of like, and I told him like, after like, I need to heal my family. And he goes, I'm glad to know I'm just a catalyst for that. And I said, no, it's so much more. And he said, figure it out and you know where to find me. Because, and then I had my first Kundalini activation <laughs> right after that. Wild ride. <laughs> yeah. So if, and if people are listening to know what a Kundalini activation is, essentially it's like a huge wave of like, it's like tantric sexual energy that comes from the root of your spine and comes all the way up and out. And it just like, it's kind of like an orgasm in a way, but like so much stronger. And I'm a Kundalini yoga teacher as well. So okay. that came later on. But um, when I said I knew I needed to heal my family, it was like, I wanted to one, heal my relationship with my, my mother. And two, I wanted to take, and I didn't realize this till later, I wanted to take radical responsibility to heal myself so that my kids didn't have my karma and that I can be the sacred disruptor of my lineage. And so the past 11 years of my life have been about me healing myself on a deep cellular level, which led to me having seizures, almost the anniversary of the day of that LSD trip. I started having seizures like five, six years later. 
And what happened was those seizures were showing me layers like an onion being peeled of masks and, um, and like, just like who I wasn't walls that I had built up for so long. Cause I had sexual trauma. So it was really hard. That was the biggest thing that I didn't realize till later was that because I had sexual trauma and how it affected me, that's why I held walls and pushed him away for so long is because I also didn't feel worthy of loved and I needed to also feel safe to be loved, but I needed to find that safety within myself first, because again, it was really big for me not to have that codependency. And, um, yeah. And so when I was in the hospital getting my EEG, after I heard about like, Hey, you're here to help heal the vets. I swear they gave, I felt like they gave me drugs because I got triggered when I was in the hospital, Mike slash was playing sweet child of mine on that commercial. And that was my best friend who committed suicide's favorite song. So it instantly woke me up when I was sleeping. And then I went on a whole psychedelic trip. And I, I don't know if they gave it to me. I should read the contract, but like, I don't know if they gave it to me or not, but I felt like they gave me psychedelics. And then I went on this eight hour journey in the hospital where my uncle who came through and actually that anniversary was yesterday of him sexually assaulting me that he came through cause he passed away to apologize. And I was singing at the top of my lungs with him in the hospital, Celine Dion, because that was my healing. So in a way, these psychedelics and having tapped into higher realms through ayahuasca and peyote, I've been, I can tap into those spaces sober because right. I've reached those states of consciousness now, you know? And so I was healing in the hospital and then I had a seizure because the guy in the room next to me had a seizure. And I told them straight up, I said, I'm having a, I had a seizure because the guy in the, in the room next to me, he had a seizure. So it triggered me mm -hmm. because I haven't been like a typical seizure patient where people are walking down the street and then they have a seizure. Right. Mine are happening in my sleep when I'm unconscious. Are you a projector? I, I am a projector. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you're a projector. Got it. Yeah. And so they were happening in my sleep. And I say they were because I'm, I've written the story that those seizures are done. Good. Um, but they were happening in my sleep and I would only know I had it because my whole tongue was bitten. And so, and then, like I said, then I'd go on like an eight, 10 day journey. And here's my mom. Who's like, I've had to stay with, with my parents because I've been like, I can't be home alone if a seizure happens. And my mom has never smoked a joint in her life. And so she's like, oh my God, she's going through a trip. She's tripping out right now. Like there's always a negative connotation with that. And I think in a way that was also a piece of the psychedelic of like rebelling against my mom and kind of thing. But I, all I can say is like, I know I had to go through those experiences and I'm not a victim of that because now I get to hold that space and I can let other people know who may have had a difficult trip in the past. Like, yo, I see you, I've been there. And guess what? You're going to get through it too. And I think that this is actually a thing that came to me about drugs recently when I was walking my dog. The reason why there's such a negative stigma around drugs is because these drugs open people up to face their shit and there isn't enough support and resources to help people get through that. Well, and I think that, you know, circling back around how you are talking about radical accountability and you're not a victim. Those mm -hmm. two things we're seeing more and more in the psychedelic world of like, these are going to open you up and you have to take accountability for what arises for who you are and mm -hmm. like for what's in your subconscious, because we tell ourselves bullshit stories about ourselves and we put one more layer on top of the onion and we put, you know, we chameleon ourselves and we aren't true to soul. 
and psychedelics start to break that down. And then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, now you got to face yourself Mm-hmm. Because no one else is going to do it for you. And it's yep. no one else's fault for putting all of these, you know, yes, there's trauma and they have, you know, we've, we've been told things, but it's your responsibility, whether you take that on or not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of, and, and that's scary for people because yep. there hasn't been support right. for that. Right. So they feel very alone and then right. they'll just hermit in. And then that's why there's a lot of instability, but Again, we're living in a time where mental health is just coming to the forefront. Look at how many generations it was shamed and repressed and all these things. And guess what? We're carrying all of our ancestors' mental health challenges as well because it's in our DNA. Right. So maybe us as choosing to work with psychedelics and go to that deep, those are the ancestral layers and patterns we're also dismantling. And that's what I've seen. Like I came from a family of immigrants. It was very tough. And it was very, very tough. And I've had a lot of crazy shit in my family line too of like trauma. And so when I had those seizures in the hospital, I'm grateful because it showed me where my brain was affecting. It was affecting language and trauma. Interesting. And so to me, that was like, okay, cool. The more I work through my trauma, the more I can be empowered where these, because I felt like darker forces were attacking me Mm -hmm. in my womb space and in my brain because I struggled with depression and mental health and I had sexual trauma. And so every time I was having a period, I was having a seizure. So to me, I always saw that as like, that could have been a child that would have had that DNA and that cellular memory that won't, that that's being released. So in a way, like that could have been a child. I don't want to say necessarily like a sacrifice of that child, but like that child was releasing that with me. Right. Or that egg was releasing that with me. Um, what I said, I'm releasing so that it doesn't continue in my lineage because if I don't take responsibility for my shit, then my kids are. And one, that's not fair. And two, that's selfish. Well, and I think we're seeing it more and more with the millennials. I mean, totally. we, the millennial generation is the one that's stepping back in and creating this third wave of psychedelics. They're done with the pharmaceuticals, the SSRIs, mm-hmm. the SNRIs, mm-hmm. all, the Adderall, the Ritalin, all of it is bullshit. Yep. And we're the generation that is saying it's bullshit because we're the generation that were at the hands of it because that's when they started saying, you know, everyone has ADD and ADHD. No, we're the generation that was like, the systems aren't working and yep. this isn't working. And now it's like the psychedelics are at it and they're like, there's no stopping them. Like we're here, it's happening. And people are stepping in, in like handfuls, um, because they have healed themselves and their womb lines and their, you know, generational trauma. People can sit in an ayahuasca ceremony and heal, you know, one generation and sit in another and heal another generation. And they're healing the person next to them and the person in front of them, just because they're changing their own genetics and they're healing their own womb lines and they're healing. And it's like this beautiful, like osmosis that's happening. And people are like, they're either like, oh, you're just a bunch of druggies or they're jumping in. And then it's so fun because people that are like, oh yeah, you're just a bunch of druggies. You just abuse these. Now all of a sudden they're like, oh wait, there's something onto this. Now the research is coming out. Now we've got people that are like speaking up you know, we have committed our podcast to like having people's stories on here. We want people to hear what is happening. This isn't scary. This is actually healing generations and generations to come. They don't have to carry this burden anymore. 
You but know, think and, about this. We, they didn't have podcasters and they I, didn't feel safe to share their stories. So again, in a way we're piercing through that veil mm-hmm. and dismantling these conditions that have been like, we, to me, I feel like the millennials in a way are like the answered prayer. Well, they're bridging, you know? they're bridging old world and new world. We are totally. the bridge. We are the bridge. That's what I shared earlier. Yeah, it's like, we're the, we're the last, we're the last to remember what life was like pre mm-hmm. and post technology. And so it's important. This is how we get to lead. You know, that's why you're seeing more and more millennials that are also wanting to buy land. And like, they're teaching their kids, like how to grow a garden and like things like that. But the generation before our kids, like the ones that are kids and teenagers now, that's all they know is like, here, the parents like give them an iPad and just like distract. They're not facing or helping their kids hold that space when a right. kid is upset. It's just like, here, give them an iPad. Or those parents haven't even dealt with their own shit. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so their kid is triggering them. And it's like, here is a distraction because that's what they know. Like they've been distracting themselves. And those are people that may be over consuming cannabis, for instance, to disassociate. I've been there. So I have compassion for that sense, but I'm also witnessing that's still a thing. And that's, that's not sustainable in the long run. And it's interesting. I was thinking when you were talking to like about millennials, I remember we're all watching white Lotus and there was the cover of the body keep score. Right. And everyone was like, Oh my God, that's the cover of the body keep score. And only millennials would see that is because we're actually the generation that's like willing to face their shit. Not all of us though. I will say. Yeah. It's not all of us because I have some people like friends that I am not talking to right now that were like, you've changed ever since you've become spiritual. (laughs) And it's like, I've always been spiritual, but like, this is also like after being struck by lightning, like, come on, like, obviously I, (laughs) there was like, that was an initiation in itself. I kind of didn't have a choice. (laughs) Yeah. It made me, it made me dive in deeper. And and honestly, I, I, before that, I wanted to get my master's in theology. Mm. Like I, I, I really wanted to find the golden thread between all these religions that have caused separation. Yes. You know, and to me, it's all ego, (laughs) you know, it's, it's all ego edging God out. Like as, because we've been in so much of a separation consciousness, that's like why there's war and like conflict in the world. And it's up to us to recognize that, like, as soon as we come into unity, consciousness union, then we're able to reach 5d Christ consciousness where there actually is peace on earth. But to find that peace on earth, we have to find that peace within ourselves because the inner creates the outer. Well, and it's, like you yeah. two, like the fact that you two are here and I'm recording this with you coming up to the anniversary of these big events in my life where I made a promise to myself that I am no longer a victim of those stories. And I actually just recorded a podcast last night about this of like, I'm done identifying with that. They are a part of my journey, but I'm not identified by those experiences anymore. Like they don't hinder me or it would the long, and this is the other thing. If we've had a difficult trip and we don't deal with it, guess what? You're giving your power away to the past. And that's what's stealing away your joy in this now moment. And that fear and that doubt whatever may arise from those experiences, the victim mindset, those are all a choice. Really? I mean, they, they really are a choice, you know, and I, I, I really want to touch on this because you have talked multiple times about music being Mm -hmm. your healing. Like it, it helps with it. Right. And like, 
they talk about samples and hurts and stuff like that. I would love to hear like, have you had any experiences not on any psychedelics with just music? Um, okay. So funny story. My godfather was best friends with Frank Sinatra and my grandfather was Frank Sinatra's security guard. <laughs> and my uncle was the manager for sticks and like also dated uh, Stevie Nicks. And it's really funny. I'm wearing a Fleetwood Mac shirt right now. <laughs> um, so music has been a huge part of my family's history. <laughs> and even when I was a little girl, like music was my escape. Like I would come home from school and I'd instantly go on MTV and watch like TRL yes. and like, you know, like I was down, like downloading music on Napster and making CDs for people. Like, you know, my mom was pissed because I was taking the phone away to go on like the dial up yep. to download a do, do, one do, do, song. Do, yeah, do, do, do. exactly. <laughs> Millennial so, life. To, yeah. And so to me, it was like music has always been my medicine. And that's why when I was on psychedelics and then, you know, listening to DJs and stuff who before I was even doing psychedelics, whose music really spoke to me. Yeah. And then having that on top of working with, especially I would say MDMA, like that was like so healing for me in that sense. Um, but I also am a sound healer. I do sound bowls. Um, so to me, I have like my first tattoo, my friend Drew said, let the music speak. Like that was something that like was said at, you know, my favorite DJ on my birthday. After that, that because I was on LSD watching his set when my best friend came through and let me know she was free and all these things came through. So I have a very strong connection with this producer. Um, but anywho, I music has always been like medicine for me. And I could also see like I was like when I was on psychedelics, for instance, and at these festivals, it was like, how can I use this music to infuse love? Because I was seeing the dark side of what was happening, too especially in spaces with music, there can be a lot of dark, like demonic things happening because they know people are vulnerable. Right. And so it's like, I was fighting like dark forces through music um, while I was on these psychedelics of like, no, I'm going to infuse love. Well, music or spells, words yeah. or spells, words music or spells. is spells. 100%. That's why they call it spelling, right? Yeah, like yeah. your words have power, like, come on. Yeah. And when people don't understand that there's a lot of music I won't even listen to today. Like I won't totally. turn on the radio and stuff because it is so demonic uh, and so yucky. And there's very few artists in today's world that I, I think are on the side of the light. Um, but it, it's, to me, it's so interesting, right? Because a lot of the most powerful things our electricity or like the transfer of energy fields or when, you know, I've had experiences not on psychedelics where the lights will lower and then brighten back up and things like that. And you're struck by mm -hmm. electricity. And when, you know, you're in meditation or I don't know what, but like, I will start to vibrate almost like my body is electric. Mm -hmm. Even Dr. Joe yeah. Dispenza has a body electric meditation. It's just interesting that you know, there's a theme here. Zeus had a, you know, lightning, lightning bolts. bolt. Like mm -hmm. there's all of these things that have been, you know, we're in the age of Aquarius. There's, there's all of this, um, even though, you know, it's an air sign, he's a water bear, but he's pouring information onto the world. Right. And how do you get that there? Basically electricity, lightning bolts from the heavens, but it's just, I, you know, and I don't know what the meaning of all that is, but I just was kind of putting that together. And you think of like, music it's played on electronics 
Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have electricity in order to play music with the, you know, the electric guitars and the microphones and all of these things. It's really what can electricity is what connects us both as below. And that's, so what, above, these, right? that's what these seizures have been. Yeah. It's like an electrical storm in my brain. So right. cool. And so in a way, like I'm seeing, like I said, I was grateful that I had the seizure in the hospital because I was able to see what part of the brain was being attacked in a way and how can I heal that and reclaim it. And we were talking earlier about millennials refusing to take SSRIs and medication. I've refused to take anti-seizure medication through this whole journey. My family is so upset about it, but you know, she's an adult. She can make her own choices, (laughs) but The reason why I chose to say no is because the number one side effect is having a child with birth defects. Right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Womb, it's womb, it'll do womb trauma. But and they so, let pregnant women take them? Yes. Oh, that just made well, me Well, and angry. also SSRIs affect the electricity okay. in the brain. We interrupted her. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And so to me, it was like, I said no to taking, and again, I'm not a doctor. So if right, you're yeah, on it, right, don't yeah. listen to me. I just want to make that disclaimer. Um, but I chose to say no, because again, I have multiple generations in both sides of my family that were born with birth defects. Why would I continue that path? Amen to that. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Yeah. And I told the that I, the neurologist is actually open. He's like, you know, I, I respect your decision. Like, for instance, my neurologist didn't even know what lion's mane mushrooms were when I told him I'm taking lion's mane. So, and and this is a Johns Hopkins like neurologist, like one of the best, like you know. And they're not doctors; aren't taught nutrition, correct? And so, in a way, I feel like I'm navigating through this because I'm here to educate. Yes, and I get to be. I feel like I'm like a a living case study right now. And that's why they've been really open um, for me to embark on the journey that I'm on. Obviously, like I have a call with him next week. So it's not like I'm not in communication. I'm going to a naturopath. I'm in psychic, I'm in therapy with a psychedelic therapist. Um, I'm I'm going to, I just started going to a chiropractor and he, and I could see where my nervous system was off the raw, like off the charts. Right. My whoop, my hips have been out of alignment, which also can tell like that's the base of the spine. And my, the part of my neck has been compacted. So that to me is like where there's been imbalance with communication, speaking that language. And, you know, so again, I'm, I'm choosing a path that has been unconventional up until now, but you, we have to all understand each of us are here to bring something new to the world that may be unconventional. If you're willing to tap into that, if you're willing to do the corporate nine to five, like here's on the machine, you do you go for it. I want to, I'm here to be a sacred disruptor. I'm here to be a change maker. I'm here to re- revolutionize the world with my medicine. And it's not an easy path. And I've had to do it alone up until now, because I've had to find that within myself. And I'm also now I'm, I'm calling in my partner, you know, like I said, if whoever it may be, I'm calling in the best partner for me. But with that, and with that, it's been important for me to become the best version of me for myself and also for my partner. And that's why I've had to go through this. And I chose to go through this so much alone because I also was very lone wolf. And I never felt like as a kid, I was very like not involved. Like I never felt like I fit in. So I've been used to that lone wolf journey. And even when I was on psychedelics, like at a festival, for instance, everyone wouldn't like I would go by myself. I'd go in and venture by myself. I would not be like in in groups so much, but like I'd go by myself and like do my own thing. And 
Also, no one was really allowed to talk to me while I was on these psychedelics. That's because a- I was I was talking to God the whole time. I feel like that's such a projector thing. Like I need my own aura, my own space, my own bubble. Like it is so like projectors, like being in their own, like having their own experience in their own time. And like, I even know Megan, like Meg's a projector and like at night, like she needs two hours alone, like to be in Mm -hmm. her own energy. And like, I think that's so, that's so remarkable that like, you're able to be in your own energy, having these experiences and like being with self is so important. And I think a lot of people don't spend enough time alone because they're Mm -hmm. so consumed with all of like social media and friends. And that, like you said, you didn't want to be codependent, you know, like breaking out of that codependency of like needing somebody else. Yeah. And it was really, it's really been really important for me to be able to sustain that within myself. Cause my whole take is like, you come here alone and you'll leave here alone. Mm-hmm. And so if you're not able to do that, like, and you're always looking for someone outside of you to like fill in that void, like one, you're not in your path hour <laughs> and two it's not sustainable right and so I don't want someone to complete me like I want to be complete within myself and have someone else who's complete I want like one, one and one is three like right. I want like I want myself I want him and then like that connection with like God the divine whatever word you want to use like that that to me is the relationship I'm calling in, but I had to find that relationship within myself with the divine and with God. That was not a condition of what I was raised on with the church and with my family. Um, what was actually gen- like a genuine connection that no one else is allowed to tell me is right or wrong, because mm-hmm. this is my journey and I'm not accepting your projections or your conditions because that's where I kept so many layers of like, and the disconnection of myself growing up, you know? Yeah. I also just put together that like SSRIs and antidepressants block electricity in that's the what, brain. That's what I said. That's what I was saying. It shuts down the electricity fields in the body. So it is like Ritalin and all of them, like all of the pharmaceuticals and stuff like that. It's completely electric. I mean, even having this conversation, how much electricity did we have to, you know, plug in and tap into and be and we're energy bodies. Like it's, it, it's really remarkable. You know, like we even talk about, um, you know, Kundalini Kundalini is energy. It's activated totally. it's your, it's healing your, it's your energy. Life force energy. Right. Right. And like how many people are disconnected from that? How many people and have think of no it this idea? Way. Think of it this way. Like your Kundalini energy is your life force energy. And the sun is also your life force. Right. And so that's why for me, for instance, like I started working stronger with like sun energy than moon oh. energy. Yeah. Hmm. Because to me, it's like the sun is it's not the moon that's allowing plants to grow. It's the sun. It is. But like, look at what we've been told in regards to like sunscreen. Sunscreen is oh, so I, toxic. I don't yet, you put know. any of that on. <laughs> no, we don't either. Um, yeah. But the sun is, I mean, it is super healing, but it's, it's electricity. We, it literally makes plants grow. It makes fungi grow. It makes mold die. I mean, it's like, holy cow. I mean, it's really remarkable. I mean, you can even go outside and like grounding, right? Grounding. When you mm-hmm. put your feet on the ground, you can literally feel the earth energy coming through your yeah. feet. If you are in tune aware mm-hmm. and aware of energy. Yep. And that's interesting too. Cause like when people are depressed, like a natural way to help them is to give them like a high quality vitamin D, right. Which mm-hmm. is comes from, that's the, that's the vitamin we get from the sun. sun. So that's why people in like places that are mostly overcast or cloudy or rainy, like Seattle, for instance, like a lot of people have depression 
Yeah. No sun. <laughs> Which is interesting because there's so many like mushroom growing and like in Oregon and Washington. And that's places where there's not as much sun as like here in California where I, I'm at. Right. I'm in the desert. So it, like it's like 120 degrees. Like it's fucking hot here. Yes. But like I've always so I've always had a deep connection with the sun in that sense because I grew up in the desert where like the sun was always out. And so that life force of the sun, you know, is so powerful mm -hmm. and it's a gift. Like the fact that we get to see the sun every day is a gift. We don't get to see the moon every day. Right. Because sometimes like in that new moon phase, like we don't see her. Right. But the sun, like that's a gift that we, we get every day. And like, again, that's what you said. It's, it's killing off mold. It's, it's what's nourishing our plants and there's a purification that comes from that. And so I think these are the things that I've really, I've been able to like dive in deeper to since my journey as well as having that deeper awareness of the um, importance of the sun and the grounding of the earth and the importance of like my connection in that stillness as well. Um, connecting with the two, I think have been um, a huge part of my healing. And so there are ways that we can heal naturally. And where there's more and more talk about it because of platforms like YouTube, podcasts, social media, whatever, that people are sharing their stories and people are getting their information a lot differently than they did in previous generations that were a lot more censored, I would say. Um, and so there's also people who have been more courageous because there's also like, I think about, I was listening, I was sharing with, with the ladies before I was listening to nineties house music before I jumped on. And it made me think like, okay, this was the music I was listening to when I was like six, seven, eight years old, whatever. That music led to us becoming like raver kids in our like 20s in our college years because that was like a nostalgic thing. Because we as millennials, going back to circling around about millennials, when we were going through puberty was like when 9-11 happened. That was when like the shit and the world, we've seen so much trauma in our systems between 9-11 wars, three like economic crashes, mm -hmm. a pandemic, millennials in college debt, millennials, like they've gone through their fucking ringer. Yeah. So going back to the systems, it's like, these obviously aren't working. Hello. <laughs> so we're, what can we do to be part of the solution? And that's what I like to help people remember. Like you are here to be part of the solution. So circling back around to people building traumas, going through their traumas and building businesses around their traumas. That's how we're choosing to be part of the solutions. Cause if we were able to get through it, obviously we have an answer on how we able, we were able to get through it and let's share that with people. Right. Plain and simple. Absolutely. Like, and the biggest thing is mindset because the inner is creating the outer. I, uh, since I've had my seizures, I came across, I don't know. Have you heard of law of assumption? No, no, I, please tell me. Oh my God. It has revolutionized my life. The law of assumption is far greater than the law of attraction. We all know law of attraction, the secret, blah, 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 whatever, like, you know, become that, you know, attract, whatever. The law of assumption is all based off of your beliefs. It's you. So for instance, it's not about like, oh, if you keep thinking you can't, I can't change you ladies. You ladies are a, are me pushed out. 
so the again the fact that like i'm having this conversation with you being vulnerable around a time where in the past was very traumatic and something i wouldn't speak about and i'm coming up to this anniversary and i'm sharing with you these ladies that shows me the healing right there's healing in that people outside of you trigger you that's because it's triggering something within you you need to face right and so the law of assumption is all about what everyone is you pushed out to living in the end, which means like, okay, so Megan, who is that blessed up version of you who has the desire that you, de you desire? Who is she? Yeah. Like, for instance, you would say that, like, if there's a desire, and I'm not saying you need, need to answer this, yeah. but like, let's say, let's say you have like, okay, cool. I want my seven figure business. Great. Who is that blessed up version of you who has a seven-figure business? Cool. You're seeing these habits. You're seeing the way they think. You're seeing the way they eat. You're seeing the way they live. Start doing that now. Like walking meditation. It is. And it's like, it's, it's already being there. Yeah. It's being in it. And like, it's even like following it's energy. It's energetic, right? Like it's, yeah. it's an energetic exchange of like, it's, it goes along with the saying, who you hang out with is who you become. If you hang out with millionaires, you will 100%. become a millionaire. It's taking it's, out separation and yeah. living in gratitude for already being. Right. Yeah. And understanding there's a consciousness, mass consciousness that's all working together to create. It's recognizing that vibration is electricity and electricity <laughs> runs us all. And that if we step into the future as that self, and that's right. we're already that in the field. It can't help but give us that because we are in alignment. Well, and that's what psychedelics do, right? They peel totally. pieces and show us truth. The truth. <laughs> truth. Yeah. There, I mean, it's, and there's a reason why, you know, in the seventies, you go back and read about it. Like they were trying to, they were using LSD as like truth serum, but they were actually, totally. they, they, people were breaking out of the box and then they're like, oh shit, these people are like seeing God and finding God and like healing themselves. Hold on. Let's like back this up. Like oh, time out. We don't want to wake too many people up. Well, but it can, yep. it, they connect you to God's plan yeah. because God has, or the, you know, the universe, whatever you think of as God, there's a, there's a, there's a plan there. There's right. some kind of a like divine purpose or however you want to, you know, put that. We so just, the whole thing, the whole, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we just have to show up every day as our best yep. selves and work mm -hmm. towards being whatever we came here to be that our soul or God, or, you know, again, however you see that had, had us here to do in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I love, I, I love that you shared the the law of assumption. Um, and I love that you call it a sacred disruptor too. Those yeah. are great. I just appreciate those. I just want to say that. Yeah. So the, this law of assumption, for instance, okay. You, the 3D, everything in this now moment is because of your past beliefs. So if you're constantly looking in the 3D for your answers, you're looking for past results for your answers, right? So it's like your circumstances don't matter. It's true. What you're seeing right here, right now, it doesn't fucking matter because guess what? A miracle can happen and something can change in an hour. That's not in the space of where you're at right now. So this 3D world that we're experiencing with our five senses is because of past beliefs and past thoughts. So if you're constant, if you're getting triggered or upset by something you're seeing in the 3D, it's because you're not in your power of like that blessed version of you where where you're seeing in the 3D doesn't even fucking matter anymore. 
Well, and it's the 1%. You literally only see 1% of what is the actual reality. The amount of the thousands of thoughts you have every day. Yeah. The 70,000. The 70,000 thoughts and the 99% that's like literally the unknown of what, what is being created in the field that we can't even see, you know, and then it's, it, it, you know, it goes into manifesting and like stepping in and like being around who you want to become. Right. You know, it's, it's this whole, it's kind of a Royal mind fuck. If you think about it in the sense <laughs> of like, okay, so I have to think about this and then I have to let it go. But right. That's the whole power of thought. If you want to become something, you have to step into it and then you have to let go of that because you have no control of how it will become. But you're not attached to it if right. you already are it. Right. There's right. no attachment. Exactly. Because and if, there's no if, separation. You, if, there, if there is attachment, that means there's doubt. Yes. Right? And you're in the past and you're yes. in the conscious mind, not in the subconscious mind. Therefore, you're not creating. But that's why we always get what we want when we let it go. Right. Like if you yeah. ever have a thought and then all of a sudden something happens, it's because you weren't attached to it, but you you tied emotion or feeling right. to that thought enough for the universe to communicate and make a synchronicity or something happen in the field. I mean, it is it is a mind fuck to be an entrepreneur. It really is a mind fuck. But I will say it all does come down to a thought and what I've thought of myself because when I figured out that um you know, just let it all go and just fucking do it. What do you have to lose? Well, you just Either way, up. it's like, just, just do it. And then we started doing it and it was like, oh, wow, this is so much more soul work than I ever expected opening a company to be. But every day I'm accountable to myself. Every day I'm accountable to my soul. Every day I have to step in and show up for myself so that I can show up for other people. And I think that's why we're seeing so many entrepreneurs is because it's like, People are finally ready to take accountability for themselves. But then now it makes me laugh when people are like, you make me feel, or can you fix me? I'm like, nope, I can hold space, but like, and give you some tools, but it's all on you, whether you want to step in or not. There's nothing I can do. I'm not your guru. No, no. And I don't want to be. Yeah, That's the thing totally. is like, if somebody claims to be a guru or claims to know it all, Run, run away fast. Yeah. I mean, we 100%. face plant every day yeah. and I love it because you know what, when I fail, I learn and I have to get up every time and I have to keep moving. And it's like, I would rather fail than ever succeed because it's like, it pushes me to keep going and it pushes me to be better. Well, and I love that because that kind of circles back around that. Like so much right now in the psychedelic world, it's like a bad trip is a failure. So mm -hmm. I would love, cause I know Sabrina, you had mentioned you had, you know, yeah. you've had some pretty like hard trips, right? Like you've mm -hmm. gone on some pretty extensive journeys. Um, and I, I definitely don't think that you thought they were a failure, but for the people that were, that are out there, like, I would love for you to, if you're comfortable, talk about one of those really hard experiences and how you navigated it and how you brought healing and how you work through it. Because I know earlier you mentioned like, don't avoid them. Right. And a lot right now in the psychedelic world is like, all these people want to kill the ego and they're like shaming bad trips as failures. And it's like such a good segue into, you know, bringing it back into what is currently happening in the psychedelic world and the psychedelic healing. Um, from, so from your experience, I would love to hear like how you, how you've worked through that. Also what you think of ego deaths. Yes. I'm curious. Yeah. Okay. So step too. one, step one, you need to shift your mindset from a bad trip to a difficult trip. Love that. 
because it was not a bad trip. It was a difficult trip because you had to face your shit. And sometimes we're not ready for that. But unfortunately, that's the risk we take when taking psychedelics. Well, and even with a clear intention, right? 100% because to me, that's why like I always pray, except that one time when I had that difficult LSD trip and I didn't pray or have an intention. I just fucking ate this tab to escape. And I had to, and I went down a fucking rabbit hole of my thoughts that have been, but in a way it took, and it took time to really do, to realize that because, you know, 11 years later, I'm so like, I, I felt like a villain that, you know, I hurt the love of my life because of that. And I realized in therapy, like I told my therapist two weeks ago, I felt like the villain of the story. And that's why I've always beat myself up about it. And so unfortunately, until we're willing to get the help or speak about it or look at it and call it up, not even call it out, but call it up, it's going to take over until we're able to do something about it because you can't bypass it. It's, so it's going to be, it's leveling up and it's going, it's part of your experience. And the worst thing you can ever do is shame yourself for a difficult or a quote unquote bad trip, because that is going to cause dis-ease in your body. It's going to cause you to be mentally unstable and it's going to steal you away from this present moment. And that's why I believe drugs have had such a negative connotation for so long. Absolutely. Is because, again, people haven't had the space to heal, to be seen, to be heard um, until recently. And again, I'm grateful that you ladies are allowing a, a space and a, and a container for people to share their psychedelic journeys, because who knows who's going to be listening to this conversation and be like, damn, if she's been able to overcome that, like I can get through this, too. And that's been my whole why of like sharing my story is like, it's not about like me, like putting myself in a narcissistic way. It's like, I want to share this because I want to help people. So the big thing that I could say is like, while it may be tough and things can come up during those difficult trips, you have no idea in the future how that is going to help someone else, let alone yourself, especially when you're going through it. Because when you're going through it, you're fucking in it. And I will say, you're talking about death of the ego. I fully believe in the ego death, dark night of the soul journey, because I've been through it the last fucking 11 years. But that ego death is necessary in a way. I don't like to see it as like the death of an ego. I like to say the integration of the ego, because there's also, there is a separate, separate, separateness about me versus you. We have different stories. You know, that is part of your ego is part of an identity in a way that isn't like part of the oneness of God. Like it is like an identity. And that's why I like to say it in integration and really shift the mindset of not being it so negative because it's not a negative thing as much as it is a um, integrative piece. Because I think, and there are times where like, for instance, like this story of mine in a way can be, I think is a healthy ego of like my identity of like how these experiences have made me who I am, but it's not the end all be all of who I am. Right. And I think that's the difference is because like that, those, those, 
difficult trips, for instance, I've been able to take them off the pedestal of like what's been needing my attention because I've been able to do work with a psychedelic therapist. I've been able to do work with myself through reflection, through journaling, through working with other psychedelics, um, through whatever it may be, just feeling seen and heard. And it was not easy. The last 11 years of my life have been so fucking challenging and hard and rough and low. And there have been highs, but it's been very, very, very challenging. I would be lying if I didn't say that. And I would actually also be doing a disservice because in a world of social media where it's like, let's put on like our best looks and like do our makeup and all these things. Let me only show you one side of the story. Absolutely not. I'm all about authenticity and integrity and transparency. And to me, it's like, it's important for me to be transparent that this journey has not been fucking easy. But the way that I look at it is like, the people we respect most in history did not have an easy path. And those are the people that have like inspired me to persevere and to keep going. Well, and like history. And was, yep, go ahead. And it was interesting when I was in the hospital, for instance, and I'm going through what I'm going through. One of the nurses, and it was like a Christian, it was actually a seventh day Adventist hospital. So there was like pictures of Jesus and stuff on the wall, which I thought was really interesting because I had like Jesus come and hang out with me multiple times when I was in there. Right. And the, one of the nurses came up to me and she, she, she told me, she said, you know, it wasn't easy for Jesus either. And so you have to keep going. And I think it's so ironic that we're also, we just had Easter, like what, three days ago. And so there's so much of that energy of like the resurrection of ourself. And that resurrection of self to me is also feels like a metamorphosis in a way because we are resurrecting from our ego of like these identities that have caused a separation from God, from our, from the divine plan and the divine purpose of what we're here to do. So to me, when you're going back to the ego death question, Meg, it was like the ego death to me is the death of the plan that is not divine. I just love talking to you because you're so aligned with us. Um, I, yeah, I believe that it's leaving behind the scripting from your parents and everything else. It's basically shoveling out all this shit so that, cause your ego gets you up in the morning. It's your niche. It's like what makes us all unique in this oneness. Right. But so much of the ego is toxicity or toxic because of all the programming, but underneath Correct. it, when you have a clear vision of who you are, um, a connection to soul, all of these things, then you can weed out like, oh, that's, you know, negative energy. And this is there's me, discernment, right? Mm -hmm. Discernment. It's mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, flowing, like throwing around the ego death, ego death, ego death. I'm like, okay, careful what you wish for also, because yeah, I've been on some trips where I'm like, oh, heck like that's how people saw me that's who I am mm -hmm. or part of me right and that it's not easy to see like who you used to be and that again it's totally. that dark night of the soul it's not for the faint of heart it is not for the faint of heart and to pick yourself up and accept that and then to you know start to do the work to let go of those pieces so that you may become you know who we came here to be is I understand why a lot of people don't step in. I hope everybody mm -hmm. does, but I really, well, let me just say that stops. 
hope is a beggar. Yes. <laughs> so I don't like to use that word. So hope I is a dropped the hope word. I know. I, I have like, I have faith that like people, people right. who are ready for it will. Yeah. No, it's- yeah. Hope and trust. I don't like either one of those words. I definitely think we should replace we, them with faith. We just, we literally were like, we talked about this on your podcast. Then yesterday yeah. we literally had a conversation about the difference between faith and hope. And we were like, we love faith. It's just reprogramming it out of our vocabulary. Well, but it, but it, you know, there's so many things it's, we work with a lot of couples now, all of a sudden in the masculine and feminine and you know, the, excuse me, the big takeaway for me is, is that people fight for power and not for love. Mm -hmm. And when we all start fighting for love instead of power, that's when the world changes. And it's within ourselves just as much as it is outside of ourselves. It's the, like the union of the masculine and feminine. It's not a battle. It's a union and it's in ourselves and it's in the consciousness and it's in the world as below. So above, um, you know, that's the fight right now. That's what the fight, this is like the, the, the dark force. Horses are trying to stop that because they won't have power. There's definitely a Sith Lord up there because, somewhere. Because, because there's, because there's, there'll be love yeah. as love becomes, and that is unity consciousness. Yep. But again, you, that unity consciousness, that Christ consciousness is love. And that's been a huge part. We're talking about programming and the ego. I grew up in a very religious family because my family has gone through a lot of trauma and shit. So like they leaned on God and I also very Italian Catholic family, but I don't consent to a um, narrative of God being terrible and like vengeful and fearful to me. It's like, it'd be ironic if like we're taught that God is love, but then also like, God, like, why would I fear God? Well, that's, 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 that's contradictory of that. And I can understand that like love can be so powerful that it will be defensive. And that's the way that I like to see God Mm -hmm. of not being fearful, but like that love is so strong that like nothing can stop that because it's coming from a space of genuine love. Like it's really hard to define love in that sense because, or in general, it's really hard to define love. It's a feeling. Right. And that to me is, it is truth. It is connection to who we are. Again, God is love. So to me, that's been a huge part of the, the deprogramming of being of a fearful God. I don't, I don't want to believe in that. Well, and it's so, I mean, if you look at religion and you go back you know, fear, the fear have, uh, around God has been around, I mean, for very, very long time. Right. But God has always been outside of self, mm-hmm. but yes. God, God is inside like of this us. guy, this guy, yeah, like that's this outside dude of us. that we have yeah, to like 100% kneel to, I mean, Catholic, right. We're, we were raised Catholic. We'd have to like kneel in the pew and like, you know, say our mm-hmm. hail Marys or like, how dare you, you know, be on birth control and not have children and premarital sex and like all this, like, Oh my gosh, I'm getting all wild. Um, all this shame right around him. Mm-hmm. But like at the end of the day, like I see God as wholeness. It's love. Totally. It's wholeness. It's, it's Matt, it's consciousness, it's energy. It's, it's everything that we were, it's like the opposite of everything we were taught, mm-hmm. but it's us itself. But that, but it's also, it's also a part of the conditioning and the programming yep. for power. Absolutely. And those, and those institutions, right. 100%. And it's really interesting because as we're talking on the topic of God, there's actually, I talked about this on a podcast episode. I think it was 176 or seven of my podcasts, the Sovereign Society podcast, 
where I talked about how I've been overcoming my seizures naturally. And also there's a missing scripture in the Bible, Matthew 17, verse 21 and Matthew 17, 14 through 20, 21 supposed to be 21 is about, is a story about the boy who had seizures and it's about the boy who had a demon. And essentially, wow, my raised hand just like went on zoom when I said that. And I haven't touched anything. Girl, you mess with electricity because you've been coming in and out like your face and everything. And I've never yeah. had that happen on zoom. No, you, you're electric. <laughs> you a hundred percent percent with electricity. Jesus yeah. is like, I'm here. Or yeah, I you saw that. Her. I can't I can't make that up. No, Anywho. I saw both of her hands, by the no, way. This yeah. is not a video recording, but I watched both of her hands. She didn't touch anything. Well, and also you're like, and it went away. Been, like now it went away. Yeah. Like the energy of like zooming in and out of you. That's wild. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I do okay. want to hear. So yes. this scripture, it talks about how the boy with the demon and mm -hmm. how this, the people, this, this man brought his son to Jesus and essentially said, I've been bringing, I've been bringing him to everyone. Why can't I get the, the, he's having seizures. Why can't I get this to stop? And Jesus said, like, it's because you have so little faith. Like if you have faith, the side of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to here and it will move. Wow. Right. And so and so bring, and he says, bring the boy here to me. And in that moment, Jesus rebuked the demon that, and that's what I feel like my seizures have been. And I think, and that's the other thing about psychedelics and that, I don't know if it's part of my upbringing and, you know, growing up in the church, but like, I like to have intention and prayer over my, my medicines before I work through them. And when I didn't have LSC and I'm in a setting with 90,000 people, I definitely think something hooked onto me on a place where I was um, insecure and vulnerable, which right. was my womb and my mindset, which is why six years later I had a seizure the same day. It was actually the night Beyonce played at Coachella. I had a seizure. Wow. Well, and we won't even get into her. And <laughs> I had, I had a, I was at, I was at a Kundalini festival, um, that weekend in Joshua tree. And it was the first uh -huh. time in my house. And, uh, I had people staying in my house. I actually had Luke story staying at my house and all the biohacking tools in my house. And he saw me having a seizure. So we called paramedics. And then when they came into my room, I'm like, what's going on? And they, you know, they're like, they thought I was on drugs at Coachella. I was like, I was at the complete opposite place. I was at like a yoga festival, like no. And, um, yeah, then I didn't have a seizure again, like three years later. But essentially going back to that scripture in most editions of the Bible, Matthew 17, 21 is missing from these editions of the Bible. And what Jesus shared in it is that you can like come to me and through prayer and fasting, you can get rid of these seizures. Well, and, and that, that prayer and fasting piece has been missing in most editions of the Bible. So literally you can look in the Bible and it'll go from 20 to 22. Verse 21 is missing. Oh, wow. But, but it's almost like you, you had your awakening and you started to try to detach from the demon and it was punishing you. So every time yeah. you got a little bit away from it, it started like, like fiending off of you because I have seen in like healings and things with Dr. Joe Dispenza, like actual dark energy, leaving people's body. And it freaked you me out it. so much when I first started seeing these things, because demonic energy is real. And, uh, I, I, I think a lot of dis-ease is invited in, but what perpetuates it is these 
dark beings, whatever you want to call them, they hook in to those. Yeah. They hook in. They so hide. it's funny that you say that because I, I've had experience where I'm like, oh my gosh, this person is struggling with this over and over again, or cancer that keeps returning or this and mm-hmm. that. And I'll, I'll see things in my meditations when I have permission to go into people's fields. Um, Projector life. For example, like one of my really good friends had breast cancer and it kept coming back and um, she invited me into her field and I went in and I wasn't really knowing what to expect. And um, her dog was there who had just passed and she was like, please help her. I passed to actually break open her heart so that you could see. And I was like, what is happening? And then all of a sudden I just saw this like crazy dark energy. Like it was like hooked onto her breasts or her heart chakra and was like curled up around her. And I was like, what the actual fuck? Cause it was the first time I'd really seen something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do I do? <laughs> Yeah. But so it's, for it, stuff it's is real. It and is. that's the stuff that I've been having, like learning yeah. and like, I'm 33. These are my last two months being 33. So this is my Jesus year. And I'm seeing how like Jesus is using me. And I, it's my prayer every morning when I wake up, it's like, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom and help me get out of my own way? That's my prayer. The first thing I say when I wake up. Well, didn't and Jesus, so, and Jesus died and, at 33. Didn't at 33. Yes. Interesting. 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 Okay. And so Easter was on the two month and like two months until my birthday. Easter was on the ninth. I'm born June 9th. And I'm also born. I'm also born. Yeah. Gemini. I'm also born on the Jupiter uh, sun conjunction. And that just happened yesterday. Electric. So it's just like, that's why I feel like I nap like you're asking earlier about difficult trips and even me going through seizures and having a positive outlook on that is because I've gone through these experiences and I think it's literally written the stars for me um, to be positive. And that's why, like, for instance, like I'm, I'm built out a digital planner. That's all about astrology. I want people to like use the energy of this, of astrology into their workflow. So I made a whole digital planner is being released in May. um, That's going to be helping you with like journal prompts and card spreads for each season plus like a daily thing but you're also going to see where the planets are and there's also a, a 50 page astro guide that will teach you how to understand the energies of astrology and the elements and things like that um so my astro guide digital planner like i want people to work smarter and not harder but i also understand like there's alignment in these stars and all the times where there was multiple times where there was reunion with me and my twin flame it never felt right because one, I was under a substance and I didn't want that um, because I wanted to be like genuine and pure. And two, the set and setting wasn't right because I could feel the dark forces that were happening that were lingering around in festivals and places. And I just didn't feel safe in that sense um, to open myself up in that way. And so those are things that were really challenging for me that I've had to like become aware of. And like I've taught at festivals all over the world. I've been at festivals like, you know, that's what I've done for so long. I was a music journalist um, right when I got out of college because the electronic music saved my life mm. um, that I wanted to start sharing it. So now I, I like re reintroduced that brand and now I'm like making playlists again and that's been really fun. Um, but essentially it's just like we have to recognize that the things that have happened that we think have happened to us are happening for us. Yes. And I so going back to the question about difficult trips and people that are going through it. 
It's happening for you. You may not understand that right now, but you're going to be able to look back and be like, damn, that was like one of the greatest blessings in my life. And that's what I was sharing in my podcast uh, this week was like, LSD was one of the greatest blessings in my life because it, it allowed me to see the truth of who I am. Your strength. It, it allowed me to break down those layers and it took time, but they also didn't come on. They took time to also be developed, you know? So like right. there is no quick fix. It takes time. And it's things that take time or it's, it's what's going to be more sustained, right? Like there's, there's a, cause there's a deeper level of respect for yourself and like for the process when those, uh, those things have become like integrated into your reality. Right. Like, wow, look how far I've come. And that's why to me, anniversaries are big. That's what I was sharing with my therapist. I like to look at anniversaries because they're, they're like uh, benchmarkers for me to be able to reflect back on like how far I've come since then. And even astrology does that. Like if you look back, mm -hmm. even now we're going into Mars Libra eclipse season, which hasn't happened in six to seven years. So if you look back on seven years ago, what you were going through right then, there's going to be themes of it in the next couple months. So like mm -hmm. patterns repeat in the field until mm -hmm. they become, you know, good things versus things that you're like, you know, I, I don't want to go through that again, or I don't want this date to come up. It's all of how mm -hmm. we're integrating things. And that's why I don't like instant gratification because time is a part of our reality for a reason. And it's things that it's exactly what you were saying that we have to be dedicated to, and we have to have discipline for, and we I like have to, to even say devotion. devotion, it's devotion. Well, that's why the get rich, the get rich quick thing is not real because yeah, it, it, there's they can't sustain it. It's no. not sustainable. It's not yeah. real. Like you may make some money, but can you do it again? And that was the biggest thing with like relationships for me. Like, yeah, I could have, I got like under substances There could have been multiple times where a reunion could have happened, but it wouldn't have been sustainable because I knew I still had layers of myself that I needed to work through that just, it wouldn't sustain that, 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 that love, like the right. container of me was not ready for that. Right. And the timing. It's and time. the timing, it just wasn't the right time. And so I broke his heart time and time again. It was, I felt terrible, but at the same time, it was like, I'm doing this for you. In the, in the future, you may see this. And again, if it's not him and it's someone better, I'm fucking open for that as well. Because the journey I've been on with this dude has been like a journey revolutionary <laughs> and amazing. And it's like shaped me into the person I am today, that experience and that feeling of love, which I'm so grateful for. But if there's someone better, then it's going to be even better than this. Like, holy shit. Like I'm open for that as well. But um, yeah, I think, I just think we have to recognize that we don't have, we're not a victim. And when we have, and I, that's why I really want to be open about speaking more about difficult trips because they're, they're part of your experience. And it may take some time for you to recognize that like, yeah, going through it, it's hard, but when you get through it, you're going to realize like, this was the best thing that happened to me. And right. you get to that, you get to that space when you have the help and the support, you know, and that's where, that's why I'm grateful. And shout out to maps. Like all I want to do is make a shit ton of money and donate to maps. Like that's like what I want to do. Like someday I will have Rick Doblin on my podcast. I am putting, I'm saying that now. Like yes. that is like, you know what I mean? Like those are the things. And it's also a side note really funny. So Maria Sabina is the godmother of uh, psilocybin and my name is Sabrina Maria. So 
though. It's like to me, I'm like, is that like yes. a past life thing? <laughs> I love this. Might have been her in a past life. Yeah, also, there's a big psychedelic conference. Yeah, I was going to talk. Yeah, about I know. Everyone, everyone's like, are you going? Everyone's like, are you going? Are you going? I was like, I don't know. I We're don't going. Know. We're going. Are you? You should come yeah, and hang out with us. End of the month. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, everyone's like, are you going? Are you going? I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. All I've been right. thinking about it. I feel you're literally like the fifth person that have people that have asked me, like, are you going? That's called synchronicities. <laughs> <laughs> the consciousness is like, hello, hey, Sabrina, do you want to come to our little party down here? Yeah, yeah. The cool thing about it too is, is like, it's not, it's big, but it's not like the big one that maps is hosting in Denver in June, where it's going to be right. like 30,000 people. This one is like a little bit, it's more intimate from my understanding of it. Yeah. Yeah. There's only 750 people invited. You're like the fifth people that have asked me if I'm going. So that's hilarious. We'll see. We'll see. I've been saying I've been resisting because of like my health thing. So it's like, that's where it's been kind of like, I need to, you know, be consistent with that. But like, yeah, I mean, I just, I know I'm here just as you two are and, you know, just wrap up with this. I know I'm here. And I've gone through what I've had for a reason and for a purpose. And I know I'm here to be a spokeswoman about psychedelic therapy and how psychedelics helped me overcome suicide and depression and have helped me become the person I am today. And that's why I want to give back to the vets in any way that I can. And I'm, I have like a strategy that I'm working on and how to like start to plant those seeds, but I'm I'm grateful that we're living in a time where again, like psychedelics aren't taboo anymore. And because like of people and groups like MAPS that are doing the research that are, are showing how psychedelic therapy is actually helping people. And again, I'm a living case study after my last seizure I had where I went on like a 10-day psychedelic trip. I filmed 11 hours of content of me talking to my camera. And I'm like, I don't know if I turn this into a book. I don't know if I make this into a documentary, but like I have like all my journals from these seizure experiences that I've had. And I, again, I've had those difficult trips and experiences for a reason. I've had difficult challenges from these seizures that brought about psychedelic trips for a reason. And I want to continue just to share my my journey and my story, not from a place of victim, but as a as a beacon of light and inspiration to be like, there are solutions out there, but they are solutions that are against the the grain of what society, the conditions and the systems have been. And, you know, you know, people revolutionists rarely behaved well, right? Like <laughs> yes. they were always the one who shook shit up. Same thing with Jesus. Like people killed Jesus because he was fighting the systems, yep. you know? And so to me, like that has been an inspiration for me of like, I know I'm protected because I'm doing God's work and it may not, people may not understand that because it may be unconventional again or against the grain, but like this whole journey I've been on the last 11 years has been completely divinely guided. And I will say there were times where I was steered off course and I fell into false light traps, but I know God had me go through that so that I can alchemize, heal and transmute and bring to light the truth of what was going on. Because we have to unfortunately go to those dark places in order to shine the light. And some people aren't willing to be brave enough or courageous enough to do that. And of course, I said yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
And that's been part of the the challenge, you know, of the last 11 years and it's been very tiring. And so while on paper, it may not look like there's things that have been accomplished. I've been doing a lot of deep soul work that um, has just been a complete divine mission. And the fact that I've survived 15 seizures and there's zero brain damage up until now, the fact that I was struck by lightning, the fact that I've had trauma since I was three years old, like I'm not here to play small and none of us are. But it's up to you to to take that and say, like, you know what, when I look back on how far I've come, I refuse to play small and I'm going to do something about it so that I can be part of the solution and shake shit up, revolutionize the world and be that sacred disruptor who say it ends with me and we're all in this together. That's the unity consciousness. That's the Christ consciousness. That is the consciousness of love. How can we look out for our brothers and sisters and loved ones and strangers and whoever it may be? that we're in this together. And that's what's been my driving force the entire time. So while people outside their egos may have gotten in the way, um, because, you know, I'm bringing, we're all bringing, but I, I'm gonna speak for myself right now. I'm bringing something that's unique and has never been experienced before. So obviously people in the 3D world are going to comprehend or understand what I'm going through and that's okay. I don't need their approval or their validation. My old ego self did because I was insecure. But because I've done so much work on myself between therapy, psychedelics, and just like spiritual awareness, sober, whatever, I don't need that validation. I've been able to overcome my insecurities. And it would, I honestly, I say all the time, if it weren't for my therapist, if it weren't for my relationship with God, my diligence to do this work and for the power of psychedelics, I would not be where I am today. And so I have nothing but the utmost respect and appreciation and gratitude for my journey, even if it was tough and I've been able to get through this and you ain't seen nothing yet. Like if I've been able to accomplish what I have at like 33, like I've barely scratched the surface on what's possible. And that to me is very exciting. I'm just going to keep persevering, keep doing me, keep listening to God's guidance and to just continue to honor the journey and trust the process. <laughs> Absolutely. Trust the process. I also think it's interesting that Maria Sevilla was involved in music with like the yeah. Rolling Stones and things like Jimi Hendrix. And you yeah, they would all go to her. Yeah. You're connected to music in a similar way that she was, which is also a pattern in the field. Mm-hmm. And also she was abused and things like all of it. There's a really interesting patterning going on. And she was ostracized too. Yes. Massively. Yes. Well, you know, and Jesus was killed for political reasons, not totally. religious ones. And if you look totally. at just that, that explains a lot of what's going on. Like read between the lines there. Um, when you think about politics and how they have persecuted uh, psychedelics, you know, the native Americans use them, everything. Totally. And I grew up, I grew up, I grew up with, uh, in on native American land, like Palm Springs has a huge, um, the Kauia tribe out here. Um, they're very, very dear family friends. Like my high school mascot was the Indians. Like it's very part of the culture. And actually after one seizure I had, God told me to put linen on Mm. and put on natural fabric and to go outside and to pray on the mountain, because ever since we were little, we were always um, conditioned and feared while the raised hand just like circled around. Yeah, it was oh really goodness. interesting. Um, but I heard um, to pray over the mountain because ever since we were little, we were always uh, there was always fear and like 
of the big one, which was the big earthquake, because where the right. Palm Springs is right on the San Andreas Fault. And so I heard God said, put on some natural garment. So I put on linen and I want, I'm going to use you to pray over the mountain to bring peace to the land. Cause like, even in that scripture, move, you know, say to the mountain, move from here to here and it will move. I don't want a fucking earthquake. I don't, I yeah, no thanks. No thanks. Not in my reality. And I, and from my, my bedroom window, from like my parents' house, like I can see that mountain in that top point. And so that's also been a huge piece is like working with psychedelics and how it's also helped me connect with nature and, um, recognize that cool i'm here on earth i'm earth as a school and i'm here to help heal it we all are but like how can i again be part of the solution so i just want to say thank you ladies for holding the space for allowing me to share my story and to whoever's listening like i would love to connect deeper and hear your experiences as well and um I have Megan and Nicole coming up on the Sovereign Society podcast in May. I had to put a hold because it was so hard to do the podcast and like deal with seizures. So like everything has been like kind of put like a timeout, fill my cup. So that we're going to have this conversation continue from their perspective with me asking next. And so, again, I just want to thank you ladies for holding that space and for doing the work that you're doing and not even just holding the space, but like holding a space where I felt safe to express. And I want to thank you for that because like I said, 11 years ago, six years ago, five years ago, two years ago, I would have not even felt safe enough to share my story as vulnerably and as raw as I have. Um, so in a way has been also a testament of how much work I've done on myself, but also just grateful uh, for the two of you to be able to hold that container um, and to share these stories because this is how we get to be part of the solution. Well, thank you. I mean, thank you for being vulnerable with us um, because we know it's hard, it's deep, it's raw. Um, and, you know, for our listeners that resonate with you and want to work with you or have a conversation with you, how do they get a hold of you? Sure. You can find me uh, on Instagram at Sabrina Riccio, R I C C I O, like Gucci. Like everyone always says my name wrong, but it's like you guys have no problem saying Gucci, right? It's the same shit. CC makes a ch sound, okay? So just kidding, but I love Sabrina that. Riccio. <laughs> um, Get it right. You can- yeah, you could also find me on YouTube, um, YouTube slash Sabrina Riccio. Um, my Sovereign Society podcast, been there for seven years doing that. Um, and yeah, those are like the main places I would say, to, or you can go to my website, sabrinarichio.com and, um, check out again, if you want to like start implementing astrology into your workflow, um, you can go check out the digital planner. Um, so I'll send, that's all the, I'll give that link to Megan and Nicole in the show notes. Cause it's yeah. so silly to keep saying all the dashes and shit like that. So yeah, we'll drop um, it in the show notes for you guys. She also just, <laughs> I saw it on her Instagram story. So if you guys follow her, she did have a link for the, like the downloads and stuff. I think recently yeah. I think you posted it last night. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm really yeah. excited. So if you sign up now, cause I'm going to be after Mercury retrograde is when it's going to be done. Cause I feel like Smart. it's silly to like have some, a digital product like during the shadow and like mercury retrograde so i was like fuck that so if you buy it now on the pre-sale um you're going to be i'm going to be giving the uh, deep dive into astro astrology guide and as well as an aries season and taurus season guide that are just more so like printables but you can they're pdfs so you can print them or you can put them on your ipad whatever um but that will give you a sneak peek of like the kind of content that is going to be delivered um every season but this planner is like 500 pages 
Um, oh, and it's, love that. Yeah. And so it. I've been, I know, I've I know, been, I'm like, I've, we're signing up. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I've been designing it in InDesign. There's like, click, like hyperlinks. So you can click, okay, let's go to April. Let's April 4th. We're going to put whatever. That's interesting. I said April 4th, 4 4, the angels are here. But like, go to that planner and you can go and every day. And there's like really fun motivational stickers, like keep going. And like, prosperity is my birthright. Like, it's been, so fun designing. This is just kind of like my uh, rebirth after being sick for the last three years of creating something new because I've been in and out of the hospital um, with seizures, fighting the system and like being part of the solution on healing seizures through prayer and fasting. Fasting to me is fasting from the conditions and the limiting beliefs and the doubts and the insecurities that aren't serving and prayer, which I'm always in. So that to me is how, uh, that's my interpretation of prayer and fasting. Um, and so that's what I've been doing. So it's been really challenging that I've had to like, you know, focus on my health the last three years. But again, this is part of keeping the sustained for the work I'm here to do in the future. So um, I'm excited to hear, you know, you caught this episode and let me know. And yeah, again, thank you, Megan. Thank you, Nicole, for having me. And uh, I'm excited just to see the work that you two are doing as well. Yes. Thank you. thank you. Thank you for being here and being a part of like the mass push for this third wave and the third, you know, we're on a, we're, we're on a revolution. I mean, we're in mm-hmm. a revolution right now. 100%. I mean that we're here to revolutionize the world with our medicine. So again, sharing these stories is medicine because they've healed us and they have the power to help other people heal. Um, by they, you can, you know, from this conversation, you can take what resonates, release the rest. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, that's just my prayer of people feeling more comfortable to also share their stories. So again, thank you for for holding that space so that um, we can find the connection and realize that there isn't a separation between like we're all in this together. And while our stories and journeys and natal charts are different, uh, there is the the unity of love. There is a unity of connection and there is union of recognizing each one of us within um, our stories and, you know, our experiences, the same, same, but different. That's like my favorite thing from Thailand. Like there, that's like a huge saying there and it's same, same, but different, you know, so we're all in this together. Absolutely. Well, listeners, we will put everything in the show notes, including all of the links and how to get a hold of Sabrina, even her podcast episode, uh, podcast link to all of her episodes. It's a great podcast. If you are looking for a podcast to binge, um, she has lots of different things over there. Check her out. And uh, until next time, have a great rest of your afternoon. And make sure that you follow us at synchronicity underscore sisters on Instagram platforms. And then of course, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating and review the show for that other people that are out there searching for a new podcast to listen to. We hope you have a great day and we will talk to you guys all soon.